Welcome to Take Note. This is our podcast about carrying around a notebook, writing things down, and and the, the inevitable creative highways and byways that you find yourself on as a result of that lifestyle. Books, film, music, uh, pencils, and pens, and paper. I'm here with Adam. Hello, Adam. Hey, Ted. I understand that you have not only been on figurative highways and byways, but also literal highways and byways. I have driven halfway across this nation. Just got back. Uh, I'm I'm broken. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm fatigued. I'm exhausted. But uh, we had ourselves an adventure, uh, and it was a real good time. What? Stopped in New Orleans. Stopped in Atlanta. Stopped in Montgomery, Alabama. It was a real. We kept talking about Forrest Gump the whole time. <laughs> okay. I don't know if it was that kind of a road trip. Yeah. Uh, what's a byway, Ted? Do you know? Well, is that it, not, not a highway, but a but a byway? Uh... Okay, so you don't know either. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe I was the only one. No, you and I are are traveling that byway of misunderstanding together. Uh, well, there's some uh, some some uh, news in the pen and pen, or I should say, the pencil and the paper world. Yes. Uh, I, I I was traveling while these were announced, so I I don't know the scuttlebutt, but that's what you're here for. Yeah, Bef- uh, Adam. Why don't you catch catch us up before we do our what do you gots? Because I know some people are probably Jones in for them. Uh, we're gonna just talk about the new Field Notes release and the new Blackwing release. Uh, field- cool off. Cool off, what do you gutters? That's right. That's right. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, (laughs) The new Field Notes release is called Trailhead. It is a lined edition, which uh, I'm excited about because I've been uh, mostly focused on using those lined editions lately. And so I'm excited to have uh, six new ones. Although as soon as the package arrived, uh, my son grabbed one and uh, drew it in and filled it up in a day. And great drawings, wonderful drawings. <laughs> but um, of all the uh, of all great the notebooks, yeah. great drawings, great drawings, wonderful paper. drawings. Only got five left. Yep. Mm-hmm. I just was. I mentally was like, it'll be really nice to have six line notebooks. And I, I don't get <laughs> too hung up actually at all on which field notes they want to use or anything. I'm normally because I've realized that um, uh, that's really not a good luck to have all these notebooks and then not share i i I don't know man i can see you sidling up to him saying making some kind of comment like uh drawing on all those ruled lines huh that's really that's doing it for you all right that's okay whatever that's what i did so (laughs) that's exactly what i did so this edition is a green linen cover with uh orange uh, an orange foil text on the front and the back. It is dedicated to the Pacific Crest Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, and the Appalachian Trail. And so there are, um, in the three-pack, there's um, one of each trails, and there's a route on the back. And there's an interesting, there's like a flyleaf with all sorts of information about hiking and navigating and tips for hiking. Really, really handsome addition. Feels great in the hand like it just the linen cover feels really nice um is it so is that cover feel similar to the state fair editions is that what i would yeah that's what i imagine the old state fair editions and then i think also um the draplin 
Eek edition, everything something okay. something K, which is black with orange, I think. I think it's a similar kind of cover. Uh, I don't know if I ever touched one of those. Yeah. Excellent. It's it's like, really nice. Uh, I like this theme mostly because I read a book about the Pacific Coast Trail and I read a book about the Appalachian Trail and uh I mean, I need someone to recommend a, a good book about the Continental Divide Trail uh, to complete the triumvirate. What I have learned about the Continental Divide Trail from the notebooks is that it is not yet complete. Um, oh. And I don't know exactly what that means, uh, but that you have to be careful trying to hike the whole thing is my understanding. Yeah, I, f- I finished uh, Bill Bryson's... Uh, I think it just came out. It's called A Walk in the Woods. just came out in uh, 1987. Uh, <laughs> it's, an, it's hot off the presses. Um, but he, uh, he actually talks a lot about the formation of that trail. And it's, you know, it's, for example, he, he had a lot of trouble finding one distance, you know, one, one distance of record for the entire trail. It seemed like whatever he read gave him a different mile count. So... I think there's something about these massive trails that is sort of unquantifiable in a way, which is, I think, part of their their sublime appeal. Um, and then the book I read about the Pacific Coast Trail was Wild by Cheryl Strayed, which which was a really good book and a, and a nice film as well. Uh, I know you like that Reese Witherspoon. Um, the uh, one other nice thing about this is they they've got this little logo that looks for this edition that looks like three notebooks and in the flyleaf uh it explains that this logo that's in three rectangles and a kind of a triangle is actually the blaze painted onto a post or tree that indicates the start of the trail and uh it just you know it looks just like how you might organize three notebooks and then when you open up and you read about it you learn about it it's a great edition the paper's nice I'm uh, I'm really uh, enjoying it. It looks great. It looks great. Um, I might even just buy myself some. It, you know, it makes me... I was out in West Texas earlier this year, and uh, I was reminded of, uh, of the importance of cairns on these... Um, I think that was the right word. Uh, rock cairns on these desert trails that were not particularly well-defined. Yep. Um, and hikers leave piles of rocks kind of at the next turn or where you really needed to see where the trail would, would head off to. And this tra- that trail marker just kind of brings that to mind, the importance of trail marks and what a cool, what a cool kind of very practical, but also aesthetically appealing um, iconography those can be. You're going to learn rocks or posts. You're going to learn all sorts about common trail markers in this notebook. And you might learn that cairns are stacks of rocks. The marked trails often in the areas above the tree line or along hiking paths that don't present an obvious trail also don't mess with the cairns all sorts of cairn oh. information when i say all sorts i wouldn't think of it i've read 75 percent of it to you but uh there's, there's some cairn <laughs> information in the book the uh I'm very very nervous to i i, I didn't i didn't i wouldn't uh, i would not build a cairn or mess with a cairn i would sooner uh wander off into the desert uh, to my to my death than presume that I had enough knowledge of a given trail to actually build one of those things. I'll leave it to the, the maestros of the desert. I don't think I would have ever guessed that you're not supposed to mess with a cairn because I feel like I've seen them on the coast 
not on trails where people stack up rocks uh, and you're supposed to mess with them. Um, so I'm, I've learned yeah, well, something the, important yeah, I, I, and I've, I may have saved lives by reading <laughs> the flyleaf of this notebook. I've seen, you know, if it's in a creek or something where there's a lot of cool rocks, you know, you see people build them just for fun. But these are, you know, a Karen on a trail, that's, that's uh, especially on the desert when you really can't get turned around and lost pretty easily. Uh, I feel like there's almost a sacred nature to them. But very cool addition. Um, the orange is great. The green and orange combination is very cool. Um, Ryan Sly, uh, occasional co-host, number one fan of the show, tweeted about uh, about his addition. So he's he's uh, rip roaring, and it's just very summer summery too. Yeah, it's adventure. It's getting out and pushing the boundaries of seeing new places. Uh, very cool. It's a fun one. Blackwing on uh, July 29th released an edition called the Blackwing Lab July 29th, 2021 set, which is their Labs series. So back in November, they released an, an edition that when you bought a box of 12, one or two out of the 12 would have some sort of holographic image. Uh, I, did, I didn't get those. Um, and this one is a non-repro, non-repro blue pencil which is really cool. And I've um, always been kind of intrigued by this non-repro blue uh, technology, I guess, which is a color of blue that won't show up when something is scanned or photocopied. And I've wondered, and I guess I still wonder whether uh, technology has advanced beyond that or whether the non-repro blue still does not reproduce. Um, but this is a, this is a non-repro blue pencil. It is one of the sharper looking pencils that Blackwing has made lately. It is a um, natural grain pencil and then a half of the barrel, yes, is painted blue as well. Um, it's sharp. It is sold out. I have no need for 12 non-repro blue <laughs> pencils, but I wouldn't <laughs> mind like two or three if anybody listening bought a box and uh, doesn't need that many you know, get in touch with us and uh, maybe we can trade something or I can buy a few off you or something like that. It's a sharp looking pencil, I think. I, th- I think it really, uh, if you're going to call something labs, I think this is a cool kind of uh, addition to that series where it's really is something exploratory and curious and odd and has a sort of scientific component to it of, you know, like, how would the blue not appear on a scan? I'm kind of fascinated by that. So it lives up to the lab's moniker, and it does just look nice. And it would even just—I could even just see this one kind of sitting around, looking good, not even using it that much. Which is sort of how I got kind of like my me. sister sent me these. <laughs> just sitting around looking good. <laughs> my sister sent me these indie bookstore pencils, and uh, they just look great. And I don't really want to use them. And I, I'm sitting here looking at one that I haven't sharpened yet because I have a bunch of pencils and these are so good looking that I'm happy. They they are like a more of a little sculpture than actually a pencil that I want to sharpen. I can see this, uh, these cool, what is repro? Reproduce? Yeah. Reproduction yeah. something? Yep. If you want to feel like you're uh, editing the New York Times in 1975 and making edits uh, five minutes before go to press that kind of thing i guess 
presumably it must still work, right? I mean, they have an example here on their website. And actually, even in the example, some of it seems to reproduce. So, yeah, I do wonder if the technology kind of, if our technology has gone beyond non-repro blue. But, um, yeah, they're sharp. I agree. They, they look good. Um, yeah, I, I used my independent bookstore pencils because I really appreciate that uh, your sister sent them to me. But uh, if you just want to let yours sit there, that's fine, too. Just letting them sit there. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we get into our what do you got? This is when uh, when we ask each other what do you got, which means what have you written down in your notebook of late? Adam, what do you got? All right, well, I'm glad we're starting with me because this is going to be funny only to me. I, I wrote down here, walked into the dry cleaner empty-handed and said, I'm picking up some laundry. I immediately <laughs> I immediately realized this is the dumbest thing to say while walking into the dry cleaner empty-handed, there's literally nothing else I could be doing other than picking up some laundry. Um, but you it could be an, an you could be an inspector of some. I kind. could be an inspector. Be a... Yep. There's all. Yep. I could be. And... I could have a complaint. I um. I could be running some sort of con. I could be selling something. You could be putting in an offer to buy the business. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you got, Ted? Uh, okay, uh, I was uh, lounging on the couch uh, a few weeks ago, watching baseball with the family, doing nothing, vegging out. Apropos of nothing, uh, my six-year-old son broke the silence saying, raise your hand if you're gay, <laughs> or if you're going to be gay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Covered all the bases there. What do you got, Adam? <laughs> That's fantastic. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and then you and your wife just sort of looked at each other. <laughs> how do you respond to this one? <laughs> Going to be, I don't, how, how can I answer that now? <laughs> right. right. Who's uh, to say? All right, well, um, yeah, so I, I might be going through a midlife crisis because I'm be, beginning to get interested in whales. And so <laughs> I've written, um, I've written this kind of long quote, uh, a book review about whales. It's a book review of Fathoms, The World in the Whale. Great name for a book. Hi. That's another possibility for when you walked into the dry cleaner. Hello? <laughs> I'm here to tell you about whales. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. So this is a rave review that I read of this book, Fathoms, The World in the Whale. Uh, and, and it's, I guess, mo most of it is a quote from the book. Whales act as nutrient pumps, feeding at depth on squid and krill, and then releasing fecal plumes, long secretions, typically orange, at a shallower level, moving great volumes of organic matter from unstirred lower waters to rapidly mixing photic layers. Whales fertilize the ocean and accelerate the growth of plankton which absorb carbon dioxide and emit oxygen on a planetary scale, which I thought was amazing. I also looked up the word yeah. photic, which means penetrated by light. Photic layers. Amazing. Yes. Very cool. What do you maybe got? These, uh, maybe these blackwing pencils are non-photic. Have we looked into the, the photic nature? The, you don't think blue? they've been penetrated by light? <laughs> maybe. Non-photic blue. 
there is that black. There's a black that someone created that is the darkest black. I think it might be the guy that made Cloud Gate, the bean in Millennium Park. I think he does sculptures with this, uh, this black that's a darker black. Um, well, a, fr- a fr- friend, my friend Brian sent this story. I uh, apparently. I have a very loose understanding of it, but there was a, a very black plaque that one artist like purchased yeah, Anish to Kapoor. use exclusively. Maybe that was uh, them, but then someone else released a new very black uh, <laughs> that seemed uh, accessible to the consumer market. There was a promo image of a hand holding the ink bottle, but the hand was like covered in ink as if they had spilled this very black ink all over their hand and i found it to be uh somewhat repulsive and was turned off by the whole idea and got tired of thinking about what it meant to be the blackest ink i i I found an article here that does not have that the hand but has a lot of the same information so anish kapoor owns the right to the blackest color ever stuart semple made his own super black and now it's even blacker and uh I guess we'll put this in the show notes, but there is, there's a picture of a sculpture that's painted with the super black, and it's mind blowing because then the photo you just you don't see any shape or anything, yeah. But anyways, all right, I'll have to take a look. This at that. is non-photic blue, and um, fecal plumes that are orange. What do you got? Amazing. Yep. Okay, here's a longer one. This this is uh, from my uh, beach vacation uh, that. Uh, this is from my beach vacation to uh, the southern beaches of North Carolina. Uh, there is a mailbox at the end of the Bird Island Beach Walk that various information boards made reference to in a manner uh, that didn't say much about what the big deal might have been um, while making a big deal of it. Tour will end at the Kindred Spirit mailbox, for example. Uh, Tour guide says, and we'll finish up at the Kindred Spirit mailbox, etc. Well, finally, we came upon this standard-looking mailbox planted halfway up a sand dune in sight of the South Carolina border in the middle of this protected uh, and beautiful beach. Kindred Spirit, pasted in reflective lettering stickers on the side of the mailbox, Uh, Sitting on benches to either side, families scribbled in notebooks. I had yet to really process what was happening here. Uh, But the steward, uh, the tour guide, explained that uh, years ago, a woman had a vision of a mailbox on a beach. Uh, With help, she made it happen. Uh, Moved it once to its present location, the driving force of the vision, uh, being that to leave a message in the mailbox would create a communion between kindred spirits here on earth i guess being uh, us us people we are each other's kindred spirits and so people came to write messages in notebooks left in the mailbox for anyone to read Uh, a remarkable creative enterprise hundreds thousands tens of thousands of messages compiled Uh, just when i was there i read three or four uh, and very quickly arrived at a 15-year-old girl considering suicide. Oh, God. A 
a 50-year-old woman emerging from a dark time after her husband committed suicide. These were maybe three pages apart from one another. Uh, these people write to the kindred spirit directly, you know, kindred spirit, comma, etc. What they want from this, I still don't really know. I learned that Nicholas Sparks, uh, one of your favorite writers I know, Adam, uh, wrote of this mailbox in a book of his just a couple, three years ago. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, jetting it into a new stratosphere. Uh, when we were there, the mailbox was crammed with notebooks from basic generic steno pads to a pink one with uh, the word dreams embossed on the cover that I scribbled a quick little note in. Three volunteers managed the mailbox, clearing out full notebooks, restocking with fresh stationery and pens for the many who ventured down this undeveloped beach to lay down lines and leave them to this massive communal creative project. Just the day before, one of these volunteers had packed a car full of notebooks and delivered them uh, to UNC Wilmington, where librarians maintain an archive uh, of the notebooks as well as a rotating exhibit. So, in the end, I learned the big deal about the Kindred Spirit mailbox. It's an open-ended invitation to get it out, to lay it down, to set ink down on paper, uh, as you might uh, set a balsam wood boat into the stream of human communication, setting it on a journey, the end of which you could never uh, hope to know or expect to see. Wow. It was really something. It, and, uh, caught me. Caught me. Didn't know about it. That is really Just, something. There it was. You know, I did not really know much about Nicholas Sparks until Edgar Wright made that documentary about him. I did not realize how influential he was. And, uh, I don't know. It gave me respect for artists that I just knew nothing about. I don't know anything of this documentary. Yeah. I'm fascinated. It's it's called Sparks. It's by Edgar Wright. To take a look. Well, I've picked up a, a few interesting stationary items um in the last few weeks my uh my uh, nanami seven seas writer i filled this up and uh, uh i've got a couple waiting for me at drum ghouls apparently uh those things are flying so i had to actually reserve a couple for the next shipment so I, this is a reminder to myself to go grab those uh in the meantime because i really have enjoyed writing on really nice paper i got myself a cd notebook um I can never quite figure out the company. Nippon Note looks like the website. But you'll recognize them at this point. I think they're pretty widely available. Made in Japan. Um, just really nice paper. Um, still a cardstock uh, cover. But I've um, uh, been writing uh, my longer kind of journaling uh, notes in this thing. And I got a new fountain pen, which I had not done so in quite some time. Uh, but I was... Uh, I was wanting a you know something in the twisby zone but a little more uh colorful or a little more kind of um nice in the hand um and something with a broader nib than the fine that i have which is a little too needle like uh so i went over to drum ghouls and uh after a little bit of pen addict review hunting i got a narwhal fountain pen which I had not even heard of uh, before I started poking around, but it was in the 60 to $70 range. It's very handsome. It got a solid review from Pen Addict, um, and it 
it it feels like what I would think of, you know, um, some of the nicer kind of like acrylic style fountain pens feeling like. The nib is not perfect, but um, it's a really nice pairing with uh, with this CD notebook that I got. And I got some Sailor ink, which I will not remember the name of because it's a number. Okay. Um, but a Sailor ink, it's, it's a turquoise pen with a kind of swirly... Uh, slightly glimmery design. Yeah. And I got some nice kind of um, some sailor ink to match that sort of uh, bluish with just a hint of maybe green or gray in there. Um, I feel like I, I almost bought one in a of these around the holidays or something. I almost treated myself to one. What's I mean, it's it's got a nice feel. It's the perfect size. It's a little like a tiny bit smaller than the Twisby. Um, it just feels like a nice fountain pen. Apparently it's a company out of China, um, which doesn't surprise me given the kind of um, uh, cost-effective but form factor. But apparently people really like them. Um, there's a, a good amount of activity on Reddit um, just kind of confirming that these are nice pens, which has been my experience. So it's been fun to get some nice Sailor ink and some nice paper and a nice pen so um narwhal i guess say recommend it nice well said you probably haven't seen a pivot like this if you haven't been watching the olympics but i wanted to talk about the notebook that i have filled up since the last time that we talked like you like that pivot is that a good one i as long as you don't get lost in midair i'll try not to i'll try not to uh, so, but I think you're. I think you're about to stick the landing, though. Yeah, well, we'll see. I uh, doubt it. Um, uh, last time we talked, uh, I'd mentioned that I had finished writing a short story and that I felt like I never really know who my characters are. And uh, started a new new notebook, and with it started a new story. Um, I mentioned in the last episode that what I've tried to do is I just use blue ink for the story writing and then anything else pencil black ink are my just sort of you know notes about the day my little what he got those sorts of things but what i did was i just started writing as much as i could about the characters and tried to create kind of a history of the characters uh that would that would you know populate the story that i hadn't even really figured out i really tried to just I created a family i figured that um and I, I think yeah. maybe this is something that we talked about that if you, mm-hmm. I don't know if I got this from us or from somewhere else, but if, you know, if they've got family members, then they've got some sort of relationship to their family members and that can determine who they are. And so the first, I think I, I, think I had mentioned how Ferrante in her books lays out all the characters up front, like a, almost a play like, and it's, it gives you that fuller sense and that doing that as you're writing, it can kind of help. Yeah, help fill things out. I think we did touch on that. I, I think that's such a fantastic exercise. Yeah, it, it really was. And so the first 10 pages, I think I wrote, to filled the first 10 pages of the notebook the day that I started it, just writing everything I could to kind of create these characters and not worrying about getting good sentences necessarily. And um, I don't know, just trying to uh, kind of write the ideas down and try to get a vibe of 
I don't know, maybe what the story would be. So there were, there were little parts of this, like little things that I thought that I might use in the story that I used to, before I started just dumping all this information about the characters. And then, uh, it, I don't know, it went really, really well for me. And I've been writing a story based on that. And after, after I did that, I actually found this quote in a review that I was reading that I think spoke to some of what I was doing, at least as like, as far as trying to find the, I don't know, trying to find the feeling for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, the secret of true poetry is to be drunk and sober, not in different moments, but at one and the same moment. And so in addition to kind of writing that history, the way that I actually, you know, the, the first thing that I did was try to describe the image that I saw in kind of specific ways, but also in um, grammatically incorrect way. It just, you know, try to get mm. those words down. So those are the two things that I did in that notebook. And anyway, I, I filled this notebook much quicker than I usually would in uh, two weeks. Um, but, you know, and half of it's the story and half of it's just my notes. And actually, as I look at it now, I don't know, six or eight pages are my kids drawing in the back of the notebook too. But um, yeah, I don't know. So it's working you, well, and, I, and I've achieved the a, I've achieved the thing of, you know, the the characters that I'm writing are not me, um, which is what it was kind of haunting me the last time we talked. That that's interesting. I mean, I've I've been continuing some creative work myself and really trying to push myself in the same way, really on that same theme, and I think one thing I've found interesting in the sense of characters not being yourself is, you know, I think it's so easy when you're writing, you want to draw kind of on your experience um, in life and think, you know, oh, well, I went through this, so I'll write a, start writing towards this scene or something that I experienced. And I found um, that it things are so quick to veer away from what is even vaguely autobiographical once you go down that creative path. Like once you really open up and do that drunk sober thing and just start letting it go, it take it things jump in new ways that you didn't anticipate and that are just so it's so much fun to get that little buzz yep. of veering and just following the veer. And it's I, I love that you're filling up pages because that's how that happens and that's it's good times, you know, whether it ends up anywhere or not uh, it's such a it's such a fantastic um just thing to do in life to let let your creativity flow like that but in a way that's somewhat you know intentional um i've been listening to a lot of the newest season of jake of uh, marlon and jake read dead yep, writers too. and um i knew i knew you would also be listening along um but i i i loved when marlon said uh uh, you know, he gets to the end of writing a book and he's just so depressed that the only way to get out of it is to start writing a new book. <laughs> I just thought that was fantastic. I mean, that, that's just it. That's what it's all about. It's like, you know, I think for, for people like him, it's almost this drug of creativity that when it stops, you just feel this like almost grief, it sounds like. Um, but, you know, I think you and I, we have, we experience it in our kind of more modest ways, but it's always, I think, something to be aspiring to. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think a lot of that, um, 
and maybe we mentioned this the last episode, I don't know, but the, I think a lot of the, you know, Jeff Tweedy, you know, I don't know the term he uses it, but it's kind of a creative, meditative retreat, finding the time to do that every day. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I have to remind myself, I have to say to myself, this is like, this is what it's all about. And it can be hard, you know, tear yourself away from social media or whatever. Um, but in terms of uh, notebook, like um, just today, I, I've been struggling sort of with typing some stuff in like a Google Doc and then jotting down notes in a pocket notebook and then kind of losing those notes or never finding the time to like transcribe them. So I wanted a little bit of a different way to interact with this longer fiction piece that I'm writing. So I just grabbed from my office, um, my office cabinet. It's this Cambridge limited. Uh, that's how you know it's super classic. Oh, it's, it's limited. <laughs> I'd like one if it's limited. Um, it's limited to really crappy paper. Um, but it's this um god what do you even call it it's uh do they even have a name for it i don't know but it's it's more like a meeting notes kind of book um but there's you know some stuff at the top like page date like a little box and then a column on one there's a there's a basically a third of the page is a blank column and the other two thirds are just lines with numbers running down them so it's it's more you know it's kind of like a I would think that script writing probably comes into these different weirder formats, but it enables me similar to what you're doing. I can write the story and kind of get a flow going on the main line section. And then I can jot down notes. And you, you mentioned this too last week about capturing sort of creative ideas as they come. Well, this left-hand column is kind of perfect for that. Um, it's just a big blank area, but it doesn't, it leaves plenty of room to the left of the actual main body that I can just, you know, if I thought of a new character and if I wanted to write a few notes about some characteristics of that character, they can go there. So it's, it's both a real, like a very trashy notebook, but it's got some of these form factors that I think will enable me to just write a lot without, you know, getting into the pocket notebook dance that we've been talking about. Cause I, that, I was not succeeding with that. And also I wasn't really loving just, um, having to open a Google doc every time I wanted to engage. I think part of what I'm enjoying right now is doing some writing by hand and letting that flow, like, just like you're doing, uh, and typing, typing is very productive and very efficient. Um, but it doesn't always get you where you want to be creatively yeah i posted uh, a blog on our blog that's always you know that's never not been awkward to say uh i wrote a blog i usually say blog post yeah well i wrote okay i wrote a blog post at takenote.space um which doesn't sound like a website um and maybe it is with a long quote uh, actually a discussion between ezra klein and the woman he was interviewing who has three names. Um, Annie Murphy Paul. Yes. And it's it's actually about why, um, the ways in which the difficulties that we have with screens. Um, the entire episode of that Ezra Klein show was great. In fact, I pretty much addicted to every episode of the Ezra Klein show. Um, and my notebook is filling with quotes from various episodes. But one of the issues with screens 
is all of the things you have to do and your mind has to do to get to the part where you start writing. Um, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I could not agree more. Yeah. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. And actually, um, one of the things I was going to mention about this notebook I just finished, which uh, is in, what is it, an under, underground, not underground, what do they call it? Underland edition. Just says mm. Field Notes, Underland edition. Field Notes times Robert McFarlane. One of the things that I did, because I find it hard just sometimes to get started, is, and I, and I kind of took this and adapted it from the Linda Berry book on making comics. I think Linda Berry making, yep, from the Linda Berry book on making comics was I will just put my two pens in my hand at the, in the one hand at the same time and do a drawing. I think she recommends skeleton drawings, but I'll just draw anything with two pens in my hand huh. at the same time. And it's just a total mess. It's completely unintelligible. But for me, it it has my, my pen is in the notebook and I'm using it. And I think it gives me a little thing to do while maybe my head gets to the point where it's ready to write the sentence, even if I'm feeling stuck or I know don't know what I want that's, to write next because awesome. because I'm 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 kind of weighing two things just trying to get everything down but then also I know that if the sentences aren't good I get a little dejected even though I know that the whole idea is like get it down and then revise it later yep. but if I'm writing yep. sentences that just aren't good I know that that's just about myself that I'm going to get dejected so if I'm sitting there trying to think about what that what I want that sentence to be uh, I'll do that. And so this notebook that I finished is filled with uh, four or five of those. And they're, I mean, they look like they're written, done by a crazy person. But uh, but they get that. me to where I need to get be. Yeah. I love that. Um, I was listening to uh, Timothy Morton, who I think I'd like in a future episode for us to talk about him in depth further. Oh, we'll think about uh, it. But he, he's something of a public intellectual... Uh, he, he talks a lot about ecology and kind of the nature, the nature of nature and humanity, and it's fascinating. Go Google him. Uh, he did a Dub Lab episode um, where he talks about music a lot and just a lot of other stuff. But he he talked about discussing. He's an academic discussing writing with his students, and he t said to them, "Don't have any ideas. Trying to have an idea is what." blocks you from getting anything done uh, and he he advises you even creatively or when you're writing to get into the laundry folding mode get down get down to the earth level where you're you're folding laundry you're you're not trying so hard to have an idea you're you're letting the idea come from the rootedness of what you're doing so i think in a way drawing gets you to that place I think even when you're working on your sentences, don't have a, the best idea ever. You know, follow your feeling and 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 follow what it feels like to write a sentence and to fold fold the laundry of the sentence. And I, you know, if when you go back and read it later, you'll know if you don't like a sentence and you'll revise it. So, yeah, you know, it's almost a it's almost a signal to yourself when you write a bad sentence that you know that when you're editing yourself later you'll fix it you'll do something different you'll have a new idea because you'll be a different person at that time and uh it'll work out you but, know so sometimes i'm there logic. sometimes i know that yeah. but i'm I, 
am I alone? Like, do you, when you're writing and no. you're not thrilled with your sentence, don't you, doesn't, even though you know that it, you'll, you could get it in the revision and you could fix it later, don't you kind of, I don't know. Do you have those I, feelings? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do. I do all the time. And, uh, I'm trying to I absolutely pep talk myself and push through them now with this thing I'm working on. Um, so I'm telling myself as much as I'm telling you, um, I, for me, dialogue is a real, um, I'm trying to have a different relationship with how I do dialogue. I've always been really hesitant to do it and it never really sounds right, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm taking some inspiration from what I've been reading lately to treat dialogue, not as a script, but as like, I'm trying to give myself license to describe what someone said without actually like having them say it in the narrative, that sort of thing to put my, give myself an, a different relationship with dialogue. Cause I, that's when I, I always hate the dialogue that I write and then I get, I get dispirited. So yeah, I think you're, what you're describing is very common, um, but we can get through it. We can get keep through writing. It. Well, and that's, what's great about writing on paper too, is it's, it's much harder to sit there and go back and be, and read something and feel like you should edit it. You kind of just, with your hand, you just got to kind of keep blasting ahead and figure it out later. Um, and it immediately gets better when you do type it up, I think. I mean, that's... And you edit, you can edit yourself while you're typing. You go, oh my yeah. God, what was I thinking? But at least, you know, you're you're making <coughs> progress. And again, I think of Ryan, who's spent so much time in the last few years writing really good short fiction and and meticulously editing and revising and uh he, he'll you know write out a new version and he'll make edits when he's writing out the new version i think uh he's got a great intuitive sense for that process that we we should all aspire to yeah which uh reminds me uh we are teeing up uh an episode in which we will discuss the new yorker fiction edition that ryan's going to join us on so uh, if you are inclined to follow along with that conversation, uh, make your way to your local library. You can steal your uh, your intellectual uh, <laughs> sister-in-law's password to to her New Yorker account. Uh, but we're going to read all those stories and then discuss them it's in a, a, an episode in the near future. Yeah, it's on the uh, my library has the Libby app, which I think is a good way to. Uh to to get it too um and it is not Maybe, it's the i think it's the last issue from july it's got a sally rooney story and a marcel proust story so you could you could google that and make sure you find the right issue libby is also uh, the name of my uh, my intellectual sister-in-law um, <laughs> let's do this again next week adam what do you say it sounds good buddy uh you find us on the internet at takenote.space uh, you can find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash takenotepod. In the meantime, take care. You know what I like about the Libby app is that you can delete a journey. <laughs> The journey is the magazine you read, and you can delete that journey if you want.